Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Tonight is our, I guess what you could call our Christmas episode. Um, we're recording it at the end of the world. We're, we're broadcasting live from the, what is the apocalypse, right? The Mayan end of the world, right? It's the end of the Mayan calendar, or as I like to refer to it, Christmapocalypse. Christmapocalypse, that's what it is. Christmapocalypse. Sorry. Yep. Get my terminology messed up. Uh, that's anyway. either the, that's either the name of the end of the world when it happens at Christmas or a porn star. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Yep. So, in in celebration of the holidays, we decided to re- to review for you tonight a holiday themed book. Uh, I saw zombies eating Santa Claus by S. G. Brown. Here's a little bit about the author in a very very succinct and excellent bio. S. G. Brown is the author of Breathers, Faded, and Lucky Bastard and the Breathers sequel, I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus, which we're talking about tonight, uh, as well as the ebook story collection, Shooting Monkeys in a Barrel. He lives in San Francisco. That was very brief and very well done for Mr. Brown. Yeah, I pulled it off Amazon. I didn't even have to like adjust it at all. I even considered adding some stuff. <laughs> now it's not good enough for you this way. It's too <laughs> short. It's yeah, like, it's unheard <laughs> of. I just can't be pleased, basically, is what it comes down to. Um, do you know what other what other holiday today is? No. What? No. It's S.G. Brown's birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's total, really the reason we're doing all this. Total coincidence. Did you say happy birthday to him on Facebook? Of course I did. I did my duty as a Facebook user to send messages to people that say happy birthday. Me too. What did we do before Facebook? Did you even wish people a happy birthday before that? No. No. Nope. No. That's nope. really all Facebook's really good for. Yeah, false sentiment. Or forced, maybe not always false, but forced sentiment. So, uh, did a little off topic, but did you notice that Facebook now, when you go in to wish someone a happy birthday, offers to let you buy them a gift? Yeah, that's really thoughtful of them. <laughs> that's so great, because, you know, those people you wish happy birthday to on Facebook, they're usually not the people you're buying gifts for. Those people usually get, like, a phone call or an in-person, maybe a text message, right? Yeah, you've probably already planned something for the people you're actually spending money on. Yeah, so, any rate. Um, so, but in honor of S.G. Brown's birthday, the impending apocalypse, and Christmas, we have this whole big ball of, uh, of, of episode all wrapped up into one. So let's talk a little bit about um, I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus. This is the synopsis I'm going to assume also from Amazon, Reb? Yes. Okay, it's kind of a long one, so bear with me. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're undead. How does the leader of a failed zombie civil rights movement from California rescue a group of his undead brethren and help a lonely breather girl as he hides from a band of medical researchers while disguised as Santa Claus? If you've never believed in Christmas miracles, then you wouldn't understand. Andy Warner has just escaped from a zombie research facility in Portland, Oregon, where he's been subjected to experimental testing for the past year. With Christmas just days away, Andy figures that donning a jolly old St. Nick costume to throw off his would-be captors is just the ticket, but he never expects to encounter a sweet, lonesome nine-year-old girl who not only reminds Andy of the family he's lost, but who thinks he's the real Santa. He also doesn't count on being recognized as last year's national quasi-celebrity by a clandestine group of decaying supporters who look to him for leadership. For the living and the undead, this unforgettable holiday tale will truly put on display just who is gnawing and who is nice. Gnawing, I like that. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good synopsis. And one of the things I think that you don't, the buying you don't get in the synopsis is that line. It's only after you've read the book that if you've never believed in Christmas miracles, then you wouldn't understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that, I think, through the course of our review. Yep. So. S.G. Brown should be familiar. We had him, uh, we reviewed Lucky Bastard in episode 96, and then we also had him on for an interview a couple episodes later, and we talked a little bit about Breathers and the upcoming I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus, which he was still kind of tweaking a little bit when we had him on the show. Yeah, he was on like deadline to get that in, so it just seems like, see, here's the thing. And we talked to other writers, and they're like, yeah, they're going to publish my book in 2026, you know, or 2015. Is it three months ago we talked to him? Yeah, it was episode 98, and we're on 122. So, yeah, I mean, we had a bunch of readings in there. So, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago at all. 
Yeah, I'm guessing the fact that it was uh, it's themed, um, it wouldn't have read as well in July. Yeah, and they probably didn't want to push it off an entire calendar year. That's right. So yeah. never know if there's going to be a calendar year next year. That's not, right. Not the Mayans, yeah. the Mayans, they're totally screwed now. They don't know how to tell time after tomorrow. They're just going to be a, for the rest of time. They're like, what? What day is it? Yeah, exactly. I thought we had a meeting, but no, I, oh, it must have been. Uh, damn it, I have no way to tell. Don't you write it down your cal? Oh, oh never mind. Dude, yeah. All oh. right. <laughs> so, so it begins, at any rate. So for um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Andy, um, this is his second appearance. He was the lead character in Breathers. Um, I personally don't think that there was anything. Uh, obviously, this is this is a, a very very nice treat for fans of Breathers. I loved the book; I thought it was fantastic. Um, I don't necessarily think you need to read Breathers prior to reading this. You should read Breathers because it's good. But if you're looking for some uh, some holiday uh, festive zombie cheer, um, I don't think that uh, I don't think you need to pick up the prequel. Yeah, it worked fine for me. I have not read Breathers; have not had a chance. Uh, Mr. Brown fell on my radar when we started doing Lucky Bastard, and so um, since then, obviously, haven't really had an opportunity to pick up any of his older stuff. It's the curse of being a book review podcaster. Um, but yeah, worked fine as a standalone story. You could tell there was references to things that happened in the past, but he provided enough information in a succinct way where I didn't feel like I was like, well, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, even as a refresher, because I mean, I've read you know, dozens and dozens of books since then, but... Um even as a refresher, I didn't feel like it was kind of overdone. I thought it was just enough information to kind of trigger a little bit of memory, and then and then he moved on. Yeah. Yep. All right, so I don't know how much of this story we can really talk about, so why don't we start and just kind of see where it goes. Andy um, was, uh, as it mentions in the synopsis, he was captured after uh, basically leading a group of zombies, a, a zombie revolt of sorts. So he's been locked up for a year. Hasn't been able to talk. His mouth's been sewn shut, and the his keepers have been doing just horrible experiments on him. Just, just as you would expect that the government would do on you know on any type of alien or, or someone you know who's odd as different tests, and of course all for the betterment of society. If they can figure out how his you know how his tissue reanimates, then you know they can cure diseases. They could build super soldiers and the like. Yep. Yeah. So. um Picks up with him in this facility and um, escape attempt pretty much sets him on his path to, uh, you know, I well, escape, I guess. It's kind of ridiculous for me to say that. Uh, and and in his escape, he, he comes across um, a girl, a little, like, nine-year-old girl named Annie, who her story is essentially that she had lost her father a few years back and in the time since her father passed, her mother's been really not the greatest mother in the world. She's, you know, drinking a lot. And she spends a lot of time away from home. So Annie's just really lonely. And it's around Christmas time. And she's, you know, the only thing she really wants is to have like a Christmas like she did before her father was gone. And so, yeah, they cross paths and then their stories start to kind of run. Uh, wait, wait, hmm. I don't know how much to say. I guess it doesn't make... It doesn't matter to say that, uh, yeah, Andy, even in the synopsis, it says that he throws on a, a Santa suit to kind of blend in, and, and she thinks he's the real Santa. And so she's, and even though she's old, at the age where, you know, a lot of kids already are figuring out Santa's not real. Spoilers for anybody out there who believes in Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> our our six-year-old audience just, just devastated right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so in in addition to trying to save himself and, and rescue some of the other zombies in this facility, he's now, um, he feels kind of obligated to help her have a good Christmas. Right, as kind of Rob mentioned, um, the, the bigger story. So that's the real the real good, solid Christmas tie-in there is his, uh, his relationship and his encounter with Annie. The bigger story from the zombie standpoint is that um, some of his zombie brethren were were captured again and andy feels that it's it's his job to to get them out that he doesn't want zombies to have to live through what he lived through so he puts together kind of a ragtag group to to go and break them out of the facility yeah and um he so he bumps into some kind of fledgling new zombies who don't really know 
what it's like to be a zombie and some of it's obvious some of the people that he knew from from breathers make an appearance and and they kind of all gather together <laughs> they actually end up with some breathers on their side too whether the breathers know they're helping him or not is is, is a different story but uh yeah they kind of mount up this posse to go uh to 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 jailbreak all these uh these unfortunate zombies are being uh, subjected to ridiculous testing. All right. So if you haven't figured it out yet, breather is there is a zombies, uh, a term for somebody who is still alive and has to actually draw breath in order to, to live, which I just <laughs> thought was great. Cause as, as you were talking about that, I was just thinking back to how they kept referring to him as breather Santa's. Yeah. A couple <laughs> of guys that are with them. Yeah. The breather Santa's. <laughs> so, um, so just great stuff there. Um, story-wise, there's really not a whole lot we could say. I mean, this this came in at a at a, a very fast 200 pages, so um, it, it's I guess a novella. And I See, think that's the way he had said it to us that it was a novella. I I don't know. I guess I take issue with that are. though because we've read full-on novels that are 200 pages long. I mean, this is I think on Amazon it says 208 on my iPad. It said 199. So I mean, you're reaching right around the two. 100 page mark but i mean it feel well i guess i could go either way yeah so uh, to say a whole lot more about the story would be to give away uh, very key parts um, i'm sure you'll kind of get a little bit more of the gist during the quote section this might be uh one of the books i have the most marks and notes for since strangest in the proportion wow yeah it seems like almost like every time i turned a page <laughs> i was like oh i really like this <laughs> i like this one thing I'd say about uh, content-wise, um, we're we're looking at uh, being as uh, we're looking at zombies from the perspective of a zombie, and um, <laughs> I kept thinking while I was reading this throughout, I was kept thinking about how one of mm-hmm. like I think David Keaton's only disappointment with um, Zombie Bake Off was that Stephen Graham Jones got right up to the point where he was going to tell you what human flesh tasted like, and stopped like just short of it, you know, when they're talking about the recipe for fake brains. Yes. And, um, and so like they talk about, you know, cooking, you know, how to, how to prepare human flesh and stuff a lot because it's, you know, zombies eating, eating people. And I was like, Oh man, this is just straight up David James Keaton's alley because this is kind of what he was looking for before. I mean, it doesn't go into obviously what human flesh tastes like, but there's a lot of flesh eating talk going on and the great part about it is i think years ago i read poppy bright's uh the name escapes me now but it was a book about two serial killers who fall in love oh is that that exquisite corpse one that you're talking exquisite about exquisite corpse yes see i'm glad you remembered it because i mentioned it so there's That's, a lot of talk there about human flesh we talked about that in our first interlude episode episode number six where malaz told us to talk about anthropophagites God, you're like rain man with this shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> At any rate, explains the social awkward part, right? Mm. Uh, mm. Um, yeah, the the great part about talking about eating humans from the zombie standpoint is that this is a comedy book. Um, and they take it very lightly because to them it's like us talking about eating a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. So it's not treated in that that really, even though it's just as foul when they're talking about it, it's not written to be you know, kind of dastardly foul. Right. So it's almost funnier because it's taken so lightly. So that makes sense. No, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not taboo or, or anything from that perspective. It's just kind of every day. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> before we go on, I've got a, I've got a out Rob here. Um, Rob, what's, what's the most emotional book you've read lately? This one, dude, I totally, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's just that uh, I have a weak spot for um, uh, like young kids feeling abandoned or lonely or something. But this whole story with Annie, the little girl who um, like all she wants for, for Christmas is she asks Santa, who is, you know, obviously not the real Santa, but she asks Andy the, uh, to that the thing she wants the most for, for Christmas is for her mother to spend more time with her. And good God, man, that just destroyed me. I like that this whole storyline with Annie was so just like heartbreaking. I cried 
multiple times reading this book. I love that. I agree <laughs> with you. That... And that's the thing. Like, um, it, it's he does the emotion. So I mean, like, it, it's to the point where it feel it felt a couple times like he was pushing it a little too hard, but it was still just so damn emotional. I I couldn't hold it against him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See, I I felt the same way, but I'm very partial to um, zombies that are dressed as Santa Claus. So I was feeling it, but from the other end. Oh, yeah. That's <clears throat> all right. <laughs> yes. Was, uh, <laughs> of all the and and we we're at the end of the year now, so I can say of all the books that I've read, you know, um, this is probably one of the ones that touched me most emotionally of of anything that we've read so far this year. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that kind of miracle on 34th Street kind of way, you know, where the, the girl, you know, well, it was a little different that one, but because she didn't believe, but you know what I mean? That kind of very, t- he, he pulled it off very well. And yeah. I was, I, I don't want to say I was concerned because I didn't care. I wanted to read this. I love breathers. I like, I like brown stuff a lot. He's like, yeah, it's this Christmas story. It's called I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus. And I thought, I don't really know how Christmassy this is going to be. I understand it's going to take place at Christmas. There's probably going to be a Santa Claus or something along those lines. But um, the holidays, you know, the the best stuff from the holidays and the best movies and the best literature, you know, they're kind of touching. And I think he was able to do that. And I, like I said, was, it wasn't that I was worried because I didn't care. I love Andy and I love the book Breather, so I didn't care what Andy did. You know, it could have been him, you know, watching TV shows. I probably would have read it and enjoyed it just as much. But... That was great that he could take such a such a silly premise and then still manage to make it emotional and touching enough that that you really got that kind of you know heartwarming Christmassy holiday feel. Yeah, and I think it was even more effective because I wasn't expecting it. Um, it reminds me of this is going to sound so ridiculous, and this is like this might be worse than that I cried during a, a humorous zombie book. Um, but there's a. <laughs> Uh, Olivia's, you probably won't, haven't seen it because you don't watch movies, but uh, the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson that came out like <laughs> 15 years ago or something. <laughs> part of that story, I know you're laughing. Already, <laughs> part of the, so part of that movie, he's got a kid, like he goes off to war or whatever. Like he's got a kid who's like a, a little girl who's probably like five or six years old. And I don't know exactly what happens, but I think they lost their mother. And like ever since the mother died, like the little girl hasn't spoken to anybody at all, right? And so, you know, he's a single father raising these kids and everything. And he has to go off to war at one point. And this is like halfway through the movie. And this little girl hasn't spoken the whole time. And all of a sudden, like, as he's walking away from his family, she starts running toward him, screaming like, Daddy, Daddy, don't leave. And it's like, you know, it's the first time she's spoken since like this tragic incident in her life. I was just like pouring tears. It was like, (laughs) just like heartbreaking. And that's kind of how this hit me. It was just so unexpected and just so, you know, oh, man, it killed me. <laughs> I've seen The Patriot. Have you really? Yes. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Did you cry? No. <sighs> there was that great scene, though, where Mel Gibson throws the axe and hits the guy who's, like, got his, uh, he's holding, like, one of his kids hostage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Heath that's Ledger? Was it Heath Ledger? I think it was one of the younger kids. That oh, was, it's when him and Heath Ledger attack. At any rate, but see, that's what sticks in my head. Yeah, probably stuck in that dude's head too. That he that's threw the it. So I was hoping somebody yeah. would catch that. So. <laughs> God, we're so terrible. It's a good uh, thing we don't have a comedy podcast. Yeah, it's a good thing nobody listens to this. <laughs> um, so yeah, you uh, you ready to do some quotes? If you want to talk about crying more, I mean, I, this is the shoulder you want to do it on. I've got it right here. So. <clears throat> I'm ready for quotes. Why don't you get it kicked off? I am going to get it kicked off. I have so many. I'm going to start with uh, with the first one, which is uh, pretty early on. Actually, maybe it's not that early on. Uh, about 40% into the book. Uh, and it says, You're welcome, she says, looking so cute I could just eat her up. Euphemistically, of course. This is when he first meets Annie. <laughs> Very good. Towards the the beginning of book, uh, especially, but throughout, um, he'll be talking about something and he'll kind of reflect on it. Um, For example, like this, when your gray matter explodes out the back of your skull, you're probably not going to win any spelling bees. He's talking about how his his speech is impacted by the fact that parts of his brains are missing. And then later on, like another paragraph later, he says, if you've never woken up in a body farm wearing a Santa suit with your brains blown out on the back of 
out of the back of your skull, then you probably wouldn't understand. There's a lot of little instances like that throughout the book. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned when the if you've never believed in Christmas miracles, then you wouldn't understand. Yeah. It's a it's a nice little way to kind of tie Andy's personality into into the story as you go. Um, one of the things I found <laughs> this is a an homage to Dawn of the Dead. Out on the television, someone is saying that if you encounter a zombie on the street, don't run into a shopping mall. I like that a lot. Love that. Hey, can I can I do another one that uh, exemplifies uh, exactly what you were talking about, about preparing uh, human flesh? Go for it. In a medium bowl, combine two pounds of fresh cubed breather, one cup soy sauce, three-quarter cup chopped green onions, two tablespoons sesame seed, I'm sorry, sesame oil, and one tablespoon toasted sesame seeds. Refrigerate for two hours before serving. So. <laughs> All right, yeah. To bring it back to a little more emotional side, uh, this is him reflecting on Rita, which I'm assuming is from Breathers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was kind of like a zombie GF kind of situation. Yep. I see her face nearly every time I close my eyes. Her crimson lips, her alabaster flesh, her disarming gaze. And my lifeless heart still pounds. See? It's romantic, Andy. Romantic. Yeah. (laughs) Go on. Romandy. (laughs) Romandy. While some manage to make the transition, most vegetarians don't do well as zombies, especially if they were militant about not eating meat. And if you're a full-on vegan, you might as well forget it. Just douse yourself in gasoline and light yourself on fire and get it over with. Nice. I like that a lot. Especially in Portland, that's extra funny. Because there's a bunch of hip, hippies. In. You've seen Portlandia, right? No. No. Here's, here's <laughs> okay, and, and here's why I haven't seen Portlandia. I, it, I, was watch, I don't remember what show I was watching that would come on right after that. So I would DVR it, and I'd always have to see the last like two or three minutes, and it was always ridiculously stupid. Fair enough. That's cool. I mean, it is just like a weird sketch comedy show, so, yeah, I like it enough, but whatever. I do have another quote. Oh, let's hear it. Um, so, this is it, the end of a conversation between two people. What's plan B, says Banks. I'm guessing he never expected those to be his last words, but sometimes life doesn't let you go out with a meaningful quote. That is oh. excellent stuff. It's another one from a conversation he's having with Annie. I'm sorry, Annie, I say, feeling guilty, even though I didn't do anything wrong. Apparently, this is something women learn to do to men at an early age. Please don't cry. <laughs> yes, that was very cool. I like the whole reflection on how, like, yeah, women manipulate men. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one. This is, like, not necessarily as much of a quote as, like, the situation is kind of hilarious, and it really draws into focus the idea of how poorly the zombies are being treated by humans but also how um i guess removed from like morals the zombies can sometimes be uh <laughs> there's a in the in the facility the 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 breeders that work there have these like stun batons that they use um i'm assuming to keep zombies in order but they can't feel anything so that was kind of confusing to me um <clears throat> but anyway there's a part where they've kind of taken, they, they're, you know, it's when they're trying to get back into the facility and everything, and they're, they're kind of fighting the, the guards. Uh, before Patrick and I leave the examination room, I zap Bob once more for fun. I don't know. <laughs> just in my head, mm-hmm. I could just, like, picture that in a very cinematic way. Like, they're about to walk away, and he just kind of, you know, nails the guy one more time. Agreed. I uh, want to do another one that talks a little bit about Andy and the way that that Scott describes the physical aspects of being a zombie. And this one's from uh, very early in the book, 1% of the way into the book. When the human body dies, the bacteria that live in the stomach continue to feed. Though instead of eating the food we've consumed, they start eating away at us and excrete gas, which builds up in our abdominal cavities until eventually something gives way. Usually the intestines, but sometimes the torso. Either way, it's not something you want to occur on a first date. <laughs> yeah. Um I have one more that I'm going to do and this is toward the beginning as well. Um this is during the initial escape. And the setup is there's a bunch of zombies and obviously they're all in kind of different states of, you know, uh 
disrepair, decomposition, whatever their bodies are functioning at different levels of, you know, um, athleticism. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, uh, his kind of partner in crime in the escape is, is a a zombie named Patrick who's helping him out because, you know, he's having a little trouble with his legs. Uh, (laughs) and at one point, uh, Andy realizes he's probably not going to be able to make it. So he, he hides himself inside of a tree. Um, <laughs> and and Patrick doesn't want to leave him. He's got a very you know strong sense of you know uh, not leaving anybody behind. You know friendship, camaraderie. He wants to make sure everybody gets out. And and <laughs> it's just oh, it's adorable. Patrick runs over and stands outside the tree, looking around with this frantic expression, like he's trying to figure out how he's going to fit inside with me. It's sweet in a nude zombie on the run kind of way. Another great touch is that Patrick was nude. Through, through the course of their, you know, imprisonment together. And it's just how Andy, of all the things he has to deal with and see, just Patrick just being nude all the time just bugged him the most. <laughs> but it's so cool when you finally figure out, like, toward the end you get, like, it, it's addressed again, and the, and the explanation behind it is just so awesome. Mm-hmm. So worth it. All right. I think that's going to be enough for, for quotes. Um we should probably do a little bit. Is there anything else you want to say before we do a wrap-up? Anything else you want to address about the book? Did we talk about how I cried? I think you may have mentioned talk- <laughs> <laughs> All right. this This episode of Booked is brought to you by Puffs. So. Yeah. yeah. Aloe, with aloe. Of course, with aloe. There's, oh. a, cool, there's a cool touch <laughs> like Puffs now, too, that they that. always feel cold. I don't know how they do that. It's magic, some sort of magic. That's, that's kind of creepy. Uh, why don't you kick off wrap-ups, then? All right, um, this is probably not going to be a surprise to anybody who knows me or has heard me talk about the book Breathers. Um, S.G. Brown, I think, shines best when he's writing Andy, which I know is a terrible thing to say because he's probably done with Andy now. <laughs> but <laughs> I've really liked all of all of Brown's stuff. My favorite still remains Breathers. And now I'm adding um, this, I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus, to that list. Um, hilariously funny, very witty and when I say witty, in a in a very thoughtful way, not necessarily just witty funny, but it's thoughtful and funny. And then he manages to throw in touching with this um, relationship and this encounter that Andy has with Annie. Um, I couldn't find a goddamn thing wrong with this book, other than the fact that it was maybe a little too short. So, uh, And I'm not going to hold that against Mr. Brown. I'm sure that the contract called for a novella, and he put one together. Five stars. Boom. That just happened. Did you hear me actually drop something? It was unintentional, but yeah. It was like a mic drop. I thought you were doing kind of a mic drop kind of feel. Totally unintentional. All right. Um, I'm not going to go into much because I pretty much agree with most of what Livia said, the stuff that I, you know, have the ability to agree with because I haven't read Breathers. Great book. Funny. Um, Christmassy. Made me cry. Um, The characters are great all the interactions and everything the the weird funny situations they get into um a little bit of the social commentary kind of thing with how you know with like you know rights and being a minority and stuff like that um everything worked for me on practically every level that any character is going to stick with me for a while this is just so emotional unexpectedly and uh yeah it that really made the book for me if, if anything um, but it was great overall, so I'm going to be with Livius on this one. Five stars. Boom. I think, I think that's the first uh, unanimous five star we've given this year. And last. Now, oh, strangest in the proportion was the last one. Oh yeah, but in 2012, that was was last that at year, the very end of two? Th- uh, I don't know. Since then. I don't know if that was this year or not. Any rate, doesn't matter. Five stars. Great, great job. Um, so much more that I, I'd like to talk about, and I'm probably going to talk about with Rob off the air, just to not spoil the book, which is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, and happy birthday, S.G. Brown. Agreed. Happy birthday, sir. But uh, we he's not the only person we're here to talk about tonight. we got some other stuff to go over, don't we? We do. We do. We have other stuff to talk about. So... Um, <laughs> well, let's, go. I mean, it is a Christmas theme. We have kind of a Christmas theme going on. So we, do you want to drop our special uh, our special recording that came in from overseas? 
Yes. So after a a ridiculously long absence, um, Malaz Corbier, our foreign correspondent, um, had sent in a, a Malaz Minute, as we like to call them early on in the book days for our last episode. It's a three authors episode, uh, interview episode, which if you haven't listened, go back and listen. Three great guys. Lots of good information there. I, I just finished listening to it myself today. But Malaz now returns again days later. So five days later, he's back again with another another recording. And this one, I would just like to say that I, I think this is this is book's Christmas gift to the listeners. That's right. Once bitten and twice shy, I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, did you even recognize me? Well, it's been a year, so it doesn't surprise me. A crowded room, friends with tired eyes. I'm hiding from you and your soul of eyes. My god, I thought you were someone to rely on. Me. I guess I was just a shoulder to cry on. A face on the love of it, a fire in his heart. A man on the cover, but you, you tore me apart. But now that I've found a real love, you'll never fool me again. Because last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. But this year... To save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Well, give me something in return. Hold my heart and watch it burn. Merry Christmas, book. And a very Merry Christmas back at you, Malaz Corbier, our foreign correspondent. You want to know what the, the thing that I'm most surprised about, about that whole clip? That they have Christmas in the Netherlands? That's exactly what I was going to say. They know what Christmas <laughs> is over there. <laughs> I was totally just trying to throw you off, but it's... Oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm sure they have, like, like St. Nicklaus or something. Yeah, I well, know. I mean, I, I, there's probably no shortage of reindeer or sleighs uh, up there. There's probably a lot of snow, right? You think, I in the no Netherlands? Idea. I don't know. I don't, no, I, this is, see, and this is why the rest of the world hates us, because <laughs> we couldn't find the Netherlands on a map. Well, I mean, yeah, we could. I mean, it's really easy. Like, it's like in the northern part of like Western Europe, right? Yeah, they just have snow year round. Yeah, and lots of umbrellas. Everyone carries an umbrella. I remember reading the like ten things you don't know about the Netherlands, and then Malaz managed <laughs> over a course of like two hours rebut everything on that. Anyway, <laughs> that's why that's why that's the ten things we didn't know about the Netherlands because they were all false. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Malaz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was pretty excellent stuff. All right, let's let's talk about a couple more books. So, you know, I, I finished this was such a short book. I finished this up days ago, so of course I had nothing to, to read because I know our next episode we're not reading a book. Spoiler alert: we're not reading a book for the next episode. <laughs> Just got all this time on my hands, and I'm thinking like I've got this backlog of books, whatever. And you know what? I decided with tomorrow being the apocalypse that I would read, I would read a, a, an apocalyptic, apocalyptic book. So Jeremy Robert Johnson, a guest and friend of this show, um, re-released Angel Dust Apocalypse uh, in, or I should say, released it for the first time in its ebook form. And as uh, as Christmas uh, is is just around the corner, he felt that uh, he he could gift that to us. So I've been reading through that, and I've got to tell you, man, every bit as good as his other collection. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my. Uh wrapping my eyes around that one i i've been lazy the last couple days and uh actually just the other night i i zipped through this i saw zombies eating santa claus in one sitting but um yeah i haven't had a chance to crack open anything else but i want to get i think i want to get one more book uh on the on the books for for 2012 so i'm telling you this is this is a good one for for anybody else who's looking at like i said it was kind of a re-release the first time in in ebook format it has some extras and some interviews and stuff that were tacked on yet i haven't gotten to that does have an intro from Stephen Graham Jones, which is pretty cool and, and pretty awesome. It seems that Stephen's quite the uh, Jeremy Robert Johnson fan. Well, I mean, rightfully so. The the stuff that I've read from Johnson is just awesome. And, like, you know, he's solidly in the Bizarro community, but in a way that's, like, it, it, it doesn't – I mean, it transcends borders, kind of, because there's definitely bizarre elements in his stories, but it's very literary and kind of more of a universal appeal. Dude, there's this great story in there about body modification. I'm not going to say anything else. It's just absolutely fantastic. That's right. So, so that's what I'm reading right now. Yeah. So, so uh, we'll put links to how you can get the, uh, the electronic or print version if you're, you know, an, a Luddite and you don't like technology. I don't know how you're hearing this. 
but um, <laughs> maybe a friend told you about it. I don't know. We'll have links for you, but the links aren't going to help you if you're a Luddite. So, um. <laughs> My nephew puts it on a cassette for me. <laughs> Um, three bucks, man. It's only three bucks, too. <laughs> three bucks Excellent. until Dust Apocalypse. The links are free. <laughs> so All right. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's an apocalypse story. Do you? All right. And we're recording on the, on the day of the end of the world. What do you think the chances are that the world's actually ending? Um. I, I I don't, like most normal, rational people. What I do find amusing, though, is that all this, probably about a year ago, all this started where all of the like History Channel-type shows were showing and, and talking nonstop about the end of the world coming. Have you noticed over the last month or two, everybody is backed completely off because nobody wants to be that asshole on Saturday? <laughs> when the world didn't end, that's the guy that was talking about it. But you remember that, right? Like a year ago, you couldn't go a day without hearing that the end of the world was was the end of this year. Well, there was another. Well, there was one last year. I think it was May twenty first was supposed to be the end of the world. Um, yeah, but that and was then like they interviewed the guy like the week yeah. after May twenty first, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, well, I misinterpreted something or something like that." Yeah, these are the Mayans, man. I mean, uh, I guess this is all they're known for. Never mind. I was I was going to give them credit for some other things they built temples and they did that yeah. they i mean have you had mayan food no is there such a thing yeah really yeah. are there still mayans <laughs> no i'm being serious i'm fairly they, certain that there are still mayans didn't the mayans like just disappear out of no we've got to look this up all right well mayan civilization but like the actual like you know people who are mayan there's people who are a percentage mayan for sure you looking it up for real? I'm trying. Are there Mayans did not look up the result that I was hoping for? <laughs> the internet has thwarted you because it's such a stupid question it refuses to give you an answer. All right, let's see. Maya peoples. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I think you might be right because uh, Wikipedia... The source of all objective truth on the internet. It says, The Maya people consist of a diverse range of the Native American people of southern Mexico and northern Central America. Maya is a collective designation for the people of the region who share some degree of cultural and linguistic heritage despite being distinct population societies and ethnic groups. Boom. Mayan. Estimated 7 million Maya living in this area at the start of the 21st century. I wonder, could we, we should have had one of them on, ask them what they thought since, you know, it's their <laughs> calendar that ends tomorrow. So we were right. We were right. After tomorrow, these people are totally screwed. They're just going to be, like, wandering around. They're going to be missing appointments. They're never going to be able to get in to see the dentist. Yeah. Birthdays, completely <laughs> gone. Unless they're on Facebook. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, that's why all you Mayans out there, public service message, get on Facebook right away. Man, yeah, I, I've never, I don't believe in in Nostradamus. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I just don't. Yeah. I don't know. And, and here's the other thing: is even if I, even if it happened, even if I knew it was happening tomorrow, quite honestly, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Right. So then, why concern yourself about it? I mean, just why be worried? Why, you know, if you can't change it, then just roll with it. Yeah, I'm cool with it. And then you get all those people asking you, like, oh, what would you do if you knew the world was ending? And they think of like all the cool, like crazy outlandish stuff that they would do. Back for just a second to Jeremy Robert Johnson. <laughs> um, the thing that that I believe him to be most well known for, and I could be wrong. It's what I knew him for was was a story about a post apocalyptic story where a man who made a suit of cockroaches mm-hmm. um, has to basically encounter a man who has a suit made of Twinkies because both would survive a nuclear war. <laughs> and uh, I know he mentioned this on Facebook right when it happened, but with Hostess going out of business, that that whole thing just completely fell apart. Because oh, we still have roaches. Yeah. yeah, but the Twinkies, not so much. Too bad roaches aren't going out of business, because those things are nasty. <laughs> <laughs> this, that sale would have been interesting. That, that kind of, you know. <laughs> All right, uh, well, if you don't believe in the end of the world, do you believe in Santa Claus? No. No. Neither do I. No, I don't believe in anything. I think, yeah. Remember, I don't believe in science. 
Yeah, there's there's a stunning lack of belief, <laughs> belief in bet- between the two of us on this podcast. We, well, all we believe in is books. It's pretty much it. That's yeah. all we believe in. And each other. Uh, aw. <laughs> I'm going to get you some of those cool touch puffs or whatever they're called. Touch puffs? What? Cool touch Kleenex puffs, whatever they are. Oh, yeah. like what's a yeah. touch puff? <laughs> I don't have one of those. They put an eye in front of it. It's an eye puff. I'll take. I'll buy one yeah, of those. Yeah. <laughs> wow. If it's got a if it's got a corresponding app, I'm all about it. Uh, you know what the worst thing about the world potentially ending hmm. is that our book will never ever see print. That's true. We that can't happen. That's the only thing that upset me about all of this. <laughs> So we're putting in all this work. Actually, Pelavia is putting in all this work. <laughs> it's all for naught. Well, it's a good thing that's not the world's not going to end. Well, if it didn't end, do you want to do you want to release a couple more? Maybe a couple yeah. more of list of our table of contents. Yeah, we're we're gonna hip you to a few more people that are gonna be uh, gracing our pages. Um, first off, probably not too much of a surprise. We've talked to him or talked about him a lot on the on the podcast. Um, hung out with him a lot, drove all over the country with him actually a little bit. Uh, Richard Thomas gave us a story, so he's going to be, um, he's going to be in our book. He wrote Transubstantiate, which we've talked about. Um, he's had short stories published practically anywhere that words can exist. Um, a lot of them he's just published everywhere. And, um, he recently picked up an agent. They're shopping around a couple of his books. So he's, uh, He's gonna be he's gonna be in us before he gets super big. Yeah, I, you know I know he's working on a project. And I don't know if we could talk about it, but I'm actually kind of very intrigued to see how that project turns out. If you're talking about that Four Corners book, Caleb already told us about it on the podcast. No, 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 that's not it. But I'm also very excited about oh. that. You know, yeah. we need to poke those guys and find out what's going on with that. That was forever yeah. ago. You know what? What the hell? We need to get we get need to get some sort of advanced. We're not terribly other. patient. You know, look look at S.G. Brown. He tells us, oh, I got another Andy story. Santa, zombies, blah, blah, blah. Three months later, boom, review, done. Yeah, done. Ugh. On his birthday. Guys, yeah. you get us an advanced copy right now, we'll drop a review on all four of your birthdays at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's working off the new Mayan calendar, apparently. <laughs> so. All right. Who, who's next? The second author we're going to announce tonight that has been um, very recently added to our table of contents is Mark Rapox. You may remember Mark from his reading at the Shindig in Chi-Town and that insane recording that we had, the noisy Keaton trying to beat up waiters making fun of Sean Ferguson recording. Um, but Mark is the author of Buffalo Bill in the Gallery of Machines, and he read from that uh, right here on our show. Yeah, I really like the voice he had in that book, and and the and because um, it was very western, it was very like you know period appropriate, and it had a very western feel to it. And somehow, I don't know if he's just like practice at it or not, but his voice, the way he read it on our on our show, was perfect for for the the content. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, I agree that it was it was one of we've had quite a few well delivered readings, but that definitely is is in the top three or four. Yeah, and that was his first book, and it's published by Burnt Bridge, who, uh, which is run by Jason Stewart, who was also at Shindig and Chi-Town. Yep. Yeah. So very cool. I'm very excited to have Mark um, on board with this project. Yeah, good story. I like the story a lot. Next up, we've got uh, the third person, third and final person we're going to reveal as being part of our table of contents uh, on this episode, Mr. Kevin Lynn Helmick. Kevin, uh, the author of... Uh, Sebastian Cross and Heartland Gothic and some other stuff. He appeared on our first Noir at the Bar recording, which was our first recording of a live event. Uh, and he read a little bit from both of the books I just mentioned. And uh, he sent us over a story called Noir City, which is uh, uh, pretty cool. And so we're glad to have him as part of our, our table of contents. We are. And yeah, I've been trying to get around to reading some of his longer works. But um, he had actually sent me a copy of Driving Alone which I was going to mention last episode because it came up with Venturini about Blank Slate Press, but I didn't want to take away from you know having someone else and start talking about another writer. <laughs> but um, anyway, I read Driving Alone like a month ago, maybe four, five, six weeks ago. I'm still thinking about that story. It's a novella he's got out with Blank Slate Press. It's actually just, it's really, really good. I don't want to go into too much of it, but it's, it's about a guy who's got to kind of deal with some of his demons while he's uh, driving cross country. 
Cool, yeah, and he just very recently, I think within the last day or two, announced that um, he's doing a Goodreads giveaway where he's giving away five signed copies of uh, Driving Alone through through Goodreads. So we'll uh, definitely make sure we have a link to that up in our post so that you can go try and win a signed copy of that. Very, very cool. Hey, speaking of giveaways, Mayan calendar or not, you know what month we're in? December. You know what started in May and ends in December? Uh, a giveaway by May December Publications. That is correct. So to, to rehash, um, we've been doing this now for seven months. Is that right? Is the math right? Seven months with sure. May December that anybody who reviewed a book on Amazon um, and mentioned that they heard about May December uh, here on Booked or that they listened to Booked or that they booked some airline tickets or whatever um, <laughs> was entered to win. One book every month in 2013 from May-December publications. How many books is that, Rob? Uh, according to the Mayan calendar, zero. That's right. They have given away no <laughs> books because this, no one's ever even going to hear this episode because it'll go up after the end of the world. That's 12 books, all of 2013. And and I think it's kind of almost fitting on, on who, who, who won this. Yeah, yeah, we do have a winner to announce. Um, back when we had Todd Brown on the podcast, we talked to him about this, and he said that he wanted us to be the one that reveals the winner of this uh, this giveaway. Um, and yeah, um, one thing to remember is that I think the each time you read a book and reviewed it, that was considered an entry. Mm-hmm. So um, you could totally stack the stack the numbers in your favor. And um, I'm going to let you say who the who the winner was. If there's any number stackers out there that listen to the show, Frank Edler is that number stacker. That's right. He stacked them. He stacked them up and he knocked them down because he won. That's right. Stack them high and let them fly. Good Lord, this is terrible. <laughs> but he was also, this uh, this boon of, of free books um, came at, it couldn't come at a better time because someone stole his nook. He had his nook stolen. So, um, you know, that's terrible. Yeah, we, we talk about it in our support group. Um, you wouldn't believe how many people have had their e-readers <laughs> stolen. But um, congratulations to Frank Edler. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and Frank, I just want to say that you, you had an e-ink reader like I did. Now I'm talking right to you, Frank, so everybody else can tune out for a little bit if you want. Just think of the satisfaction when that person stole that and flipped it open, and they knew, they just knew by the size, because it's like six and a half inches, and it's an electronic device, that it was an iPad. Just think. They opened it up, and there were books there. And just think of the disappointment on their faces. That's what I think about every time I think about my Kindle. You revel in the fact that you disappointed a thief? Well, that's what happened. You know, you grab an electronic device today, and you're like, oh, this is great. This has got to be like an iPad mini or it's whatever, and then they open it up and they go, "Oh, great! It's it, it's a fucking book reader." So <laughs> it's a fucking book reader. Well, and then I, w- I want you to think, and Frank's probably a lot like us. <clears throat> if I look through the Kindle that I'm using, which is your Kindle right now, how many of those names do you think are even recognizable to somebody who's not an avid avid reader? You probably got like that Patterson book in there. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Fifty Shades of Grey, and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Other than that, they're going to be like, who, what, what is this? Are these like instructional manuals? I saw zombies eating Santa Claus. What the hell is this? You know? Yeah, so. that's true. So I don't want to, I don't want to revel in the, in the negative and the fact that he had his nook stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but congratulations, May, December. There are 12 books, 14 books, however many of that is uh, for 2013. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, so we're very excited to be a part of that. Um, very excited that that someone near and dear to the show was uh, was able to pick that up. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, Frank actually hosts his own podcast. Have you listened to, to Frank's podcast, Rob? Yeah, I've taken in a few a few episodes. Yeah. It's a little so, bit different than ours. Yeah, I was gonna say it's exactly <laughs> like ours, except that I think both those guys have drinking problems. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and they just review some really really twisted shit. I mean, I think that's really what the, the direction they go with that. So hey, maybe they're drinkers who have hardcore reading problems. Like they, that's very interesting like the, and you know cute. You, yeah. So yeah. anyway, books, beer, and bullshit is uh, Frank Edler's <laughs> uh, podcast. Give it a listen. It is goddamn hilarious at times. 
so yeah you go check out their podcast it's called books beer and bullshit i will say that it's a it's a much wilder ride than we take here on booked there are not frequently there is always some screaming in another language um during their 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 boozing portion of the episode and uh they are they are goddamn funny at times so some, worth a listen some of those beers they talk about too just look repulsive Oh, they're all well. That's the whole thing is is they drink beer, so we don't have to. They they get the weirdest, like you know, like jalapeno flavored beer. I mean, it's always just something really, really terrible. All right, but actually, um, there's a little bit of news for our podcast. So outside the fact that we've just pimped um, a friend, a friend podcast, a sister podcast, a familial podcast, we've got some news about our own podcast. Yeah, this came as a complete surprise earlier this week. Um, there is a horror website over across the pond. <laughs> I like to say now that I've, that I've really gotten that, that British vernacular down, um, called This Is Horror. And uh, we, this little podcast right here, was nominated for Podcast of the Year. Yeah. Yep. We got some stiff competition, so here's what's going to happen. We need everybody to really rally together and get the word out to vote for us because... If it was just on merit alone, there's no way we would win this award. So, um, I mean, we're going up against Pseudopod. I mean, here's the thing. It's a horror website. And, yeah, we do talk about horror, but not exclusively. So I think we really need to kind of, like, bolster our numbers here. And we're counting on you guys to make sure that gets taken care of. All right. First of all, I want to say that I'm absolutely honored that we were nominated. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I want to explain to you why Rob just, just made that very impassioned plea. This is the difference between me and Rob. A couple days ago, I find this out, right? I look at this list and I go, God damn it, Pseudopod. They've been around for like 15 years. So I immediately find out who the guy is that runs Pseudopod. Okay, so what do I do? I jump in my car. I drive for like 14 hours. I get to his house and I Tanya Harding his ass. I hit him in the knee as hard as I could with a lead pipe, right? So then I run away real quickly and I'm telling this to Rob on the phone. And of course, it's, you know, it's, it's late at night. He's kind of sleepy. And he explains to me, that even though this is a competition, that all of the playing has already been done. And that it means absolutely nothing that I injured this guy because they could still be voted ahead of us. So <laughs> that's why, Rob, I tried to win this the only way I know how. Rob says there's another way. I think Rob might be right. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, sometimes, like, if a politician is personal life is struck with tragedy, more people vote for him out of sympathy. We don't want to give anybody a sympathy vote, so. Um, God damn it, um, we're doomed. We're yeah, we are doomed. Well, here's, <laughs> so that's why we need to steal the vote. We need to, um, like I said, we're not winning this on merit, so we're winning it based solely on numbers. So we need to get as many people out there to vote as possible, um, and and do everything we can to see if we can just actually make this happen. Because uh, winning podcast of the year over at This Is Horror would probably be the highlight of. Of the this entire podcast, Rob, do you want to know what I want for Christmas? Uh, what do you want? Is it if it's to ha spend more time with your mother, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> God damn it! Can I tell you? I, I seriously, and, and the total aside, I, I probably would have given the book four and a half stars, but it made you cry and made you admit to that to like all our listeners. That's that's what pushed it over the top. Wow. Um, no, what I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas this year is to win podcast of the year. Uh, me too. That's all I want. It's the only thing on my list. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that can make that happen. So there you go. So uh, go and vote yourself if you're listening to this. But also get other people to vote. Get the word out. Grab your grandma. <laughs> yeah. Push your cousin off of the iPad and just go over and log in. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just get everybody you can to uh, to vote for us. We'll, we'll put up instructions on how to do so. In the post for this podcast, it's already um, on Facebook. We're sharing it a lot. So share that. Get the word out. Get us voted podcast we're, of the year. We're from Chicago, and this may not mean anything to anybody who's not from Chicago, but vote early and vote often. Yeah. That's how politics have always run in this town. So, Yep. If it doesn't disqualify you, or us, I mean, make it happen. Um, also want to mention that um, in case you're fuzzy on who else to vote for in some of those other categories, like best tattoo artist, I've got nothing. But 
The Last Final Girl from Stephen Graham Jones was also nominated for Novel of the Year, and that's where my vote is going, and I'm sure it's where Rob's vote is going. So if you're a little fuzzy on some of the other categories, make sure you vote Stephen Graham Jones. Absolutely. Be sure to vote Stephen Graham Jones, because it's an excellent book. And I already voted. He's an excellent dude. I voted. You did? Yeah. I didn't vote yet. Yep, I did. Uh, Voting goes through January 4th, so there's a little of a time between when this episode posts and when... Uh, the polls are closed on that, so we'll make sure that we just uh, come at you nonstop uh, as much as possible to make you vote for us. Yep. So thank you in advance. Yep. Rob. Rob, how cool was our three-author interview episode? It was way cooler to record than it was to edit. <laughs> it was a little bit on the long side. It ended up... The final cut ended up being an hour and 46 minutes of authorly interviewing. Now, would you like to tell folks how much you cut out of just the Craig Wallwork episode? Uh, probably about 26 minutes. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way for people to hear some of the stuff that was cut out? Yeah. Do you remember some of the stuff we talked about? I do. Some of it. We talked, we talked about, about your The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, your favorite movie. <laughs> Uh, we talked about um, my story that I wrote that Craig uh-huh. particularly enjoys. Yes, uh, we did. Tons of stuff. We talked about <laughs> FCJR. Mm-hmm. We went on about a ton of stuff. Lots and lots of really good conversation happened. How awesome would that video have been if you would have sent it in? <sighs> it would have stolen the show without question. I, I, I kind of so. still want to see it, even if he thinks it's crap. Yeah, maybe we can get him to, to send it over to us. At any rate, if you want to know what we're talking about, there is an alternate website that you can go to and hear book bonus content that's right uh not surprisingly it's called booked bonus and uh you can get it at bookedbonus.wordpress.com right now there is the final edit of the bonus craig Wallwork uh, material came in just under 22 minutes long so if you didn't get enough wall work which i mean nobody can really um head over to booked bonus we'll have a link to it um and listen to 20 more minutes of us talking about stuff I will say it's a little bit more candid because it was kind of off air. So we're a little bit more comfortable, a little more conversational, and we're just kind of BSing about whatever. So it's definitely, but there's a lot of good conversation about writing and books and stuff still. So you should definitely check it out. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. We are on reading hiatus. That's right. That's right, bitches. We're done reading books for this year, at least yeah. for the show we are. Yeah. Maybe for the entire end of the world. Never know. For the rest of the the time that we're on this planet, it may be that we're not reading any books. That's the most depressing thing mm-hmm. I've ever considered in my life. Anytime someone says, "Hey, um, would you would you if you had the choice, would you live forever?" Instantly, I'm like, "Yes," because there are so many books that I could read if yeah. I live forever. Yeah, yeah. And then I would, you know, yeah, just read them all. <laughs> That's all I do. Then you have to read the crappy ones too. <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of James Patterson on that list of well, all the books in the world. The Goosebumps that would be one on the very end of the list. I don't want to get into those until I absolutely have to. Or maybe I would mix it up a little so like I get a little bit of crappy book, then get a good book, and then you know, so I'm not like you know hundreds of years of just crappy books at the very end. I don't know. So, but um, before we talk <laughs> about the next episode, um, couple couple things. We just gave you, as a Christmas gift, Malaz Corbier doing spoken word Christmas songs. How cool is that? We partnered with Todd Brown to give away a year's worth of books. Again, congratulations, Frank Edler. Um, we told you Kevin Helmick has given away a bunch of cool stuff, five signed copies. Go take advantage of all these things. That's what we're trying to, to get you guys to do. We're trying to get you free and cool stuff. So go buy Angel Dust Apocalypse, two ninety nine. Great, great stuff there. Um, oh, and, 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 I saw zombies eating Santa Claus. Here's the thing. I know a lot of people are listening to this. It's like a day or two before Christmas when they got around to listening to it. You can read this after Christmas, too. It's okay. It doesn't have an expiration date. Yeah, yeah. I don't even celebrate Christmas. Well, that's not a, that's a lie. I give gifts and everything, but I'm not religious or anything. And so You accept gifts. I <laughs> accept gifts. Yeah. Never turn down a gift. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, so go do that. And and uh, our final Christmas gift to you, bonus Craig Wallwork. Guy's so smooth. Listening to that episode again. He's just he's he's just like low key smooth and cool. Yeah. He's sitting there with the drink. That's how I picture him. That that uh, that picture he had on Twitter. You know, it was him with the drink in his hand. 
That's yeah. how I pictured him <laughs> the whole time. So, hey, can I say what uh, a couple of books that are Christmas theme that would be very good to read together? Oh, at, to, together? You mean like me and you sit down and read a book together? <laughs> Not like read together, like in we person sit down together. Okay. No, but like read, uh, uh, you know, in conjunction with each other. I'd love to hear this list. Obviously, I saw zombies eating Santa Claus because we just gave it a five star rating. But can you think of another somewhat satirical author who had written a Christmas uh, book? The Stupidest Angel. One of the best books I've ever read. I would I would have to say, you know, that that that's a tough one. If I had to put these two up against each, I do, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. So. No, yeah, there's no way to compare them because they both have their own individual charms. But two books that, if you're looking for something that's Christmas-themed, um, humorous, uh, kind of off the wall, probably a little offensive here and there, yeah, Stupid as Angels is an excellent book. Yes, I agree. I thought you were going to give us like a whole slew nope. of books. No, I, I, was, I was waiting <laughs> to hear what this was because I'll be honest, other than those two, I don't know if I've ever read a Christmas-themed book. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just I can't top my head think of anything that you know. I mean, there are books that took place around Christmas, but I wouldn't say they were Christmas, you know, themed. So, nope. that Mer- Merry Christmas, Alex Cross. Merry Christmas, Alex. Damn it, that's the other one I was gonna say. Yeah, that, that uh, would work well that's as a, a contrast. You know what? That's Christ. such a given that you don't even have to say it. Christmas classic for years to come, I believe, <laughs> is, is what the synopsis said. So. Mm. Ready to wrap so, this anyway. up? Oh, did we talk about what's going on next episode? No, 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 no. We were trying to get through the Christmas stuff. All right. And then we're going to zoom right in. Next episode, we are going to do a year in review. That's right. That's where my nerdiness comes out. I get to bust out all my statistics and spreadsheets. We're going to bore the shit out of you with all the, uh, the statistics of how many books we read and what kind of scores we gave them. Then we're also going to talk about some of the moments that we really enjoyed, some of the moments that might have been somewhat tragic. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah all of our accomplishments and achievements hopefully well i guess we won't know we're going to presume probably that podcast of the year is one of those accomplishments yeah yeah that would be nice we'll have to do that in our year in review 2013 yeah you know i love most about that idea of a year in review episode what's that how effing original it is that we're looking back at the year (laughs) and just kind of rehashing the same shit yeah no one's ever considered to do that before. No. The best part of it is that we don't have to do any work. We just talk about the work we did, and it's a whole other episode. Yeah. It's awesome. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, this, this is becoming like a self-perpetuating podcast. And, I mean, who's considered doing a Christmas-themed podcast episode before? I have no idea, because you know what? I listen to like three podcasts, yeah. and I haven't heard christmas theme on either of those yet. That's right, because they're another podcast of the year. That's right. You know what? And no, we're not competing with either of them for podcast of the year. That's true. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So check back with us one week. We'll have uh, a ton of stuff to talk about the year in review. Um, Skip Papersley did take the week off to be, uh, to, to, to he's do in whatever. a bunker. He's, he's in a bunker. He's in a bunker. From the end of the world. <laughs> he's clutching the Mayan calendar, <clears throat> weeping. Um, but because the world's not ending, he'll be back for our year in review episode. Uh, he might have some retroactive Christmas things to say, but otherwise he'll definitely be back to give us some a look back. Very cool. Hey, Rob. Yeah. Merry Christmas, buddy. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. I'm going to do everything I can to get you that podcast of the year for Christmas. God damn it. I would love you forever. <laughs> do you know, but here's what and that I'm, would I'm returning that Ferrari. Here, here, that's fine. I don't, I don't <laughs> care about that. That's Ferrari. Listen, I'd be able to say like, yeah, I'm podcaster of the year. That's true. If there's one thing that Olivia likes to do, it's brag. That Yes, exactly. And I will do it all over the place, too. He likes to just throw shit in people's faces. That's a different award for that. <laughs> shit thrower of the year. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that on this podcast. So. <laughs> all right. At any rate, uh, Merry Christmas to all of you fans. Um, uh, Happy holidays to those of you who don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what the proper... Can I tell you I was at work the other day? Merry... (laughs) No. Merry Booktimus. Oh, Oh, brutal. (laughs) I was at work the other day, and and I just want you to think about it. I have an Asian coworker. He's a young guy. He's 17, 20. I don't know. Whatever. He's a lot younger than me. And there's an elderly couple. And by elderly, I mean these people were in their late 60s, early 70s. And I hear her say, oh, happy holidays, because that's the right thing to say, right? Now, 
I understand the happy holidays thing. I've had to work with the general public for many, many, many years. I have not wished somebody I didn't know a Merry Christmas in a really long time. So it's always happy holidays. But when you're looking at someone who might worship Buddha or goats or whatever, <laughs> you, saying happy holidays and then qualifying that by saying that's the right thing to say, right, is almost more offensive than just saying Merry Christmas. God damn it. Oh, man. Am I am I right? Yeah, yeah. All right, then. So, anyway, <laughs> to all of you listeners, because I don't consider you the general public, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Goat Day, whatever whatever it is that, that you do this, uh, this last part of the year. And I uh, hope you have a safe and happy holiday. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep voting. <laughs>